Welcome once again to another episode of Horrorversary. If you're sitting at home listening to us for the first time, there's a chance it's because you've got nothing else to do. We understand. We appreciate that. It's it's crazy times. But to simply explain what this podcast is, it's a podcast that celebrates horror movies celebrating anniversaries. Now, we don't go for any of that piddly crap that's like, oh, let's celebrate the 42nd year. Let's celebrate the 27th year. No, we're going just hard and fast for the big milestone milestones for your 10 20 30 40 50 all the way back as far as we can go when it comes to celebrating those milestone anniversaries and that's because at any point of history that you look at there is a horror movie there that deserves your attention maybe it's one that you haven't revisited in a long time maybe it's one that you haven't even heard of before maybe it's the last film you would expect to kind of get this reprieve or attention but that's what we're here to do and this show isn't even about me your host, Adrian Torres. No, 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 no. It's about the guests that we bring on. And right now we're going to be ramping up the amount of episodes that we're doing. We took some time off. That was because originally I was going to go to South by Southwest, but then the world got crazy. And since the world's in a very weird place where people are at time and they're, you know, at home and they're looking for different avenues of entertainment, we decided that we wanted to ramp up the amount of episodes we were doing and release at least one episode a week maybe even more as we get more people who are on here and that's just so you can sit back relax and and listen to these episodes talking about movies maybe you wouldn't really expect now you saw the name of this episode you know the film that we are discussing that's not the only film that we have that's crazy that's coming up. We've got somebody who's going to come on and they're going to do Graveyard Shift. We've got somebody who's going to come on and they're going to do Piranha 3D. We've got a whole bunch of weird films you wouldn't necessarily think that everybody's going to pick at the drop of a hat. But that just makes the conversation better. And the main focus of this episode is basically a gush session for the guests that we bring on as well as the films that are being discussed. So you might not think that it's going to be, you know, the most prescient conversation, but you never know what you're going to get. And that's why we bring people on. And that's why we're starting off with Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 from 2000. Now, of course, this movie has been maligned for years for many reasons that we'll get into. But part of it's because of the fact that the original film is still to this day one of the highest grossing when you compare what it costs to make a film and what the box office returns are. And the movie just took off in a big way because you had lots of people who thought that, oh, maybe this is something that's real. It's a movie, but it's found footage and found footage in 1999 when the first film came out wasn't what it was today. So when they got this film a little bit later, it wasn't what everybody was expecting. Now, that's partially because the studio, okay, I, I was getting carried away. There's a garage door that's opening beneath me. So it's a good time, I think, to, to bring on the guest and open our own door here. Now, the person that we have on is somebody that I, I've only known them for a short period of time, but I feel like I've known them forever. And that's because this was somebody that I met at Panic Fest earlier this year. And when I wrote an article for the pitch KC, which you can see online, I said that they were basically the unofficial ambassador and spokesperson for the event because that's kind of how it it started out to be. They came from overseas to Kansas City for this film festival that was showing their film, and yet they were the person after every movie who was asking everybody if they were having a good time, what they'd seen. Every time you looked around the corner, this person was talking to them, 
and they just fill you with so much joy talking about movies that we had to have him on here. And of course, his film, which we'll get into later on towards the end, at a time when theaters are shut down everywhere, is going to be hitting VOD. So you owe it to yourself to check it out. But I wouldn't. No one's around, so I will do a giant, giant round of applause. So please welcome to Horrorversary the director of The Parish, Mr. Patty Murphy. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, How are you sir? Doing? I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just hanging in there in my self-isolation. <laughs> Same as everyone, I guess. Well, you're, you're alive. That's the main thing. And so we're, we're thankful That's for it. that. Now, I'm just super choked to be coming on talking to you, uh, what, three, four months after Panic Fest? I know. Uh, it's, it's nice to be catching up. Yeah, and, and it's it's nice because I think Panic Fest is one of the few handful of film festivals that's actually gotten to go on. So that's the nice thing about them you sure. know, hap- happening in January is the fact that you had them and Sundance around the same time. And then there wasn't really – there may have been like one to two small ones in February, but then everything else is like, nope, we're not doing it. So – it's. I, I'm yeah, glad that it was then. I was lucky that I got to go to Frightfest Glasgow right before this all happened. It was like a joint birthday slash Valentine's Day present for my wife that we went off and we watched a bunch of horror movies together. Um, most of which I had seen at Pennyfest, but it was just nice to go and hang out with the guys from Frightfest and and all that. Literally like three days before we all went into lockdown. So that was <laughs> perfect. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, that's now, it. I wanted to take a moment before we got into um, this movie because of the fact that, you know, we had you out here in Kansas City for for a film and it's going to be hitting VOD. So I just wanted to take a moment to talk about uh, The Perished. So let people know what the film's about and when it's coming out. Yeah, no problem. Uh, The Perished is a social horror film. Uh, It's set in Ireland uh, and it's kind of it touches on some very taboo topics here in this country and probably actually in a lot of countries which is what I found out touring with the film um, it's about a young woman who finds out she has an unwanted pregnancy, unplanned unwanted pregnancy and uh, with abortion being illegal in Ireland two years ago which is when it's set, she uh, flies to the UK to have an abortion which basically makes uh, puts her like a target on her back, uh, back home and everybody uh, treats her terribly once they find out and her parents kick her out her boyfriend breaks up with her um, and she goes to an old country home with her best friend to recover but when she does what she doesn't realize is that this old um, old house this old priest's house was actually a site of a mass baby grave uh, from unwanted babies that that had been discarded by the church in the 60s and 70s um, so real feel good family film <laughs> yeah 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 it's a it's a true comedy through and through <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's as bleak and oppressive and catholic guilt-ridden as any irish film should be <laughs> well, hey if if people are watching um oh god what's it what's it called now, now i'm gonna blank at it um the the soderbergh film that everyone's watching right now if, if everyone's oh, watching contagion. yeah yeah if everybody's watching contagion right now you know they i think they're in the avenue to be okay to watch a film that's a little bit darker and, and a little bit more you know uh, a prescient and 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 definitely dealing with uh, issues of the time but like i said it's coming out on vod so definitely let people know when they keep can keep an yeah. eye out for it it's uh, releasing on VOD through um, our amazing distributor, the Horror Collective. Are putting it out in North America on the seventh of April, twenty twenty. So, uh, not long to go. <laughs> yeah, just weeks. just right around the, the corner. Exactly. This. 
you, you guys have okay. time. You're at home. Definitely give, give it a chance. So I, I want to make sure that we had that plug there in, you know, for, for yeah. you before we got into a film that's on the complete other end of the spectrum. <laughs> Now, the, the way this works out for people who are listening for the first time, every guest who comes on is asked the same basic five questions. And from there, the conversation usually spills out. And we're able to get into, you know, lots of interesting discussions about the the film, um, the themes of it, you know, where it kind of stands in that test of time and, and, and how people view it now. And because we have Patty here, you know, we, we can eat also get that that filmmakers uh perspective and and patty is somebody who i definitely know is very open with his thoughts and feelings when it comes to film so that's why i'm really excited but the first question i think of sometimes as a softball to kind of set the stage <laughs> and so the first question is do you remember the first time that you saw book of shadows blair witch 2 i i do it was when it released in uh in 2000 um i was working in a toy shop uh, in Limerick City in Ireland and I asked a girl to go on a date with me I was 16 at the time and I asked a girl to go on a date to go see Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows and she hated it <laughs> um, unsurprisingly um, and I felt really bizarre because I loved it I knew I knew that relationship wouldn't work out straight away um, <laughs> but uh, it was yeah I think I had been a big fan of the first movie, like everybody I think was, uh, but I, I don't know. I, maybe it's because I just didn't have expectations. I know a lot of people said it didn't live up to their expectations when they saw it, or what they thought a Blair Witch sequel would be. But I guess I kind of went into it with no real. I, I knew it could never be as good as the Blair Witch Project, so I think I just went in going like, "Yeah, give me something different. That's that's what I want." Um, and I, I got it. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say I definitely think that different is is uh, is probably you know the best word like it, on on the the blurbs that you have on posters. I kind of think that you know different, <laughs> just attributed to anybody, would probably have been the best thing um, uh, uh, about this film. But you said that you liked it from from the beginning. So what did you? What was it that kind of grabbed hold of of your attention from that first watch? Um. It's a weird one because, I mean, uh, it was literally even when I got a PlayStation 2 in like 2001, I, it was one of the first DVDs I ever got as well. I remember clearly like there was like five or six DVDs that I remember coming out right at the beginning of the DVD era. And that was one of the ones I picked up was, was Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Um, I I think I was a, I was a nerdy, weird goth. Well, I, I called myself an alt goth because I was I was not cool enough to be a full goth. So I was just like, <laughs> I was just kind of like hanging around with the goths, but I, I was too happy and cheery. And they were like, oh, this guy's he's not a goth. Uh, but I, I love the aesthetic. I love the music. I loved all that stuff. And I think this film, if anything, is like a little time capsule of the style and aesthetic of like the late 90s, early 2000s alternative goth. Uh, lifestyle and look I, and everything. Yeah, it, it definitely has that that feeling and and vibe imbued to it. Uh, the first time that I saw it was I was working at Blockbuster um, at this time, and it was a film that the weird thing about the movie is that everybody remembers it being uh, or thinks of it as being a huge flop, and it actually made yeah. I believe like three times its budget. I think it was made for around fifteen million dollars and made forty something. 
million dollars. So it, it, it returned back, but it was a film that lots of people said that they kind of avoided when they came out because they heard that it, it got lots of negative reviews. So once it came out on VHS and DVD, there were lots of people who were going out of their way to rent it saying, well, it's going to be cheaper now. I might as well take a, a, a watch. And since I worked at Blockbuster, I got early and watched it and was like, this is interesting. I wouldn't say that I, that I'm a huge fan of it, but it's uh, it's 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 definitely a different kind of film. And but I mean, I think even the people who don't necessarily like it, Blair Witch or Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two, which I think I think that was part of their issue right there was was same going that route. It is it even if it's not your favorite film, it's definitely a film that sticks with you. There's plenty of movies that you see if you don't like that you just kind of wipe from their brain. But um this film definitely has a way with with ingraining itself in your brain. Yeah, I think as well as that like it's as you just said there, like I think it's a film of ideas. Not all the ideas land for sure, but it it does try to do a lot of interesting stuff that you know, for a film that even did have a 15 million budget was quite adventurous to try some of these crazy and bizarre things, which not all of them were even the director's choice. A lot of things yeah. were studio interference, which we'll get into as well. But um, I kind of feel like the whole studio interference thing maybe made it a more interesting movie by, by, because it just became this thing <laughs> that yes. we've watched. Yes, Um the- I, d- I definitely have to get into the second question before we go down this rabbit yeah. hole, um, which is, and and this is going to be a spoiler film podcast because that's the only way when looking at these films, you know, that are 10, 20, this was 2000. It's, it's 20 years old this Jesus. year. So yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden you start to feel old when you do stuff like that. Like I remember years ago when oh. they're like ET's this many decades old and I'm like, really? I'm, I'm just going to go sit in the shed and cry then. Yeah. Um, that's but the so, way I'm feeling right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this movie's 20 years old. So if you haven't had a chance to see it after we a- after Patty answers this next question, we're going to have a pause where you can go and watch the movie, <laughs> or you can stick through it. That's fine. We just want to give you that warning ahead of time. So probably in this case, one of the most difficult questions is for the uninitiated, <laughs> in as few words as possible. Oh, Please shit. <laughs> describe the plot of Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Okay. Due to the phenomenon of the Blair Witch Project, uh, a bunch of stereotypes wander, go off into the woods with a tour guide to learn about the Blair Witch, but end up partying and orgying and killing loads of tourists. Okay, we'll, 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 go with, we'll, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, we're going to pause here for two seconds, and then I will make a joke. So this is the pause in which you guys can go and watch the movie. Oh, All right, sorry, are, you, are, are you back? This. Because, yes, if you decided to not pause it or decided not to watch the movie, uh, you learned that Patty did indeed spoil. The ending of the, but I mean, it's difficult to it's 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 difficult to talk about, you know, to try to find a way around that because it is such a big plot point, and the movie's just like, ah, we're just going to drop this here. But of course, yeah. that was one of those studio decisions right there. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, the the interview segments are are studio reshoots, but I've actually looked it up and Joe Berlinger, the director, who I'd like to talk about in a bit because I actually Absolutely. I think Joe Berlinger is a really interesting dude, but 
he uh, said that the interviews originally bookended the film. So you had interviews yeah. at the start and interviews at the end. Um, and then the studio made him chop them up and put them throughout the movie. Now, maybe which they is, got into the so and add more. Well, the, the what I understood when it came to the yeah is that he had the bookend, but at the same time, that was kind of the impetus from the from the film was that he actually went to the actual uh, Burkittsville after the first movie came out when he kind of had the seed of yeah. of, of working on the movie and interviewed people and then recreated them uh, for the film and that that was kind of you know the thing that wanted to get him going is how these people were dealing with it as well as all the people who were flocking. Uh, to the area because of the movie and that the mass hysteria element was was what interested him i i heard that the the studio portion was the the decide to put more gore in into the movie so all of the cutbacks that you have to like the yeah the campfire the weirdness that they keep on deciding hey uh 15 minutes have gone by we should probably have a flashback to the scene <laughs> that we've never referenced in the movie uh, yeah, another big one that's clearly uh, one stuff that was added in later, from what I'm aware, is all this, uh, the hospital psychiatry stuff. Yes. Uh, apparently, that was another big chunk of um, of studio notes. Uh, but even taking it outside of just the, the notes and stuff, like, we're right at the start of the movie. You've got those, like, talking head section, and I actually really like that part. I think it's really clever and funny and self-referential like where you yeah. have people in Burkesville saying oh yeah I just dragged some stones out of my back garden and sold them to people you know it's <laughs> I I thought that was clever but then you can see where the studio steps in almost immediately because once you hit the title credits and you have disposable teens which look I love Marilyn Manson <laughs> but like that that's not the film that Joe Berlinger wanted like he wanted to put yeah. witchcraft by Frank Sinatra over that because he wanted it to be a parody whereas i think the studio just went hey teenagers like the blair witch teenagers like marilyn manson let's just put those things together I, <laughs> it's I, peanut I th butter and jelly <laughs> well, i'd say i mean it's more so uh, peanut butter and and, and sardines so uh, <laughs> cuz yeah, exactly. i i think it's one of the few times that you've ever had during a movie that the opening credits have Marilyn Manson blaring and then you see music by Carter Burwell. <laughs> yes, no, and very it's, rare. You're like, okay, that's, I guess that's the, uh, that's the world we're living in. But okay, so this is kind of a side uh, question because we're, we're talking about the, the interviews that they have. And when the original Blair Witch came out, did you see the, um, Oh God, it was in between these. The special, original. yeah, the special that Sci Fi Channel did. Uh, I did. It was Sky, Sky that. Uh, oh, Sky had it for you guys. Okay. Yeah, and I remember my dad watched it, and my dad isn't a big movie fan. Um, he wouldn't, especially not horror movies. Um, but he watched that documentary, the one that the special, and yeah. then he was like, "We got to watch this movie. We got to watch it," because he he was convinced it was real. And so we watched it and he thought, oh, my God, that's terrifying. It's chilling. And then I had to explain to him, I was like, Dad, you, you know, it's a movie like that. It's not real. <laughs> and he got so angry. He was like, these people have wasted so much of my fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Which just made me love the movie even more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was it, it was really interesting, you know, to see that. um that they, that they had that. And like because you you have that come out around the time, you know of the original movie. And then, so you start this with the interviews and you're like, okay, this is interesting. This is kind of works as a weird yeah. trilogy with that. And then they, they cut to the normal stuff and it feels, 
it, it, it feels weird when they go to widescreen. It's, it's weird because there's, it, this is going to definitely be something that comes back as we talk about the film, but I think right from the second that we get into the widescreen footage and the, the narrative film, I guess, um, it, we really hit what I think is the whole point of the film that Joe Berlinger wanted to make, whether uh-huh. it fully succeeded or not, which is this thing that keeps recurring through the film, which is uh, video doesn't lie, but film does. But film does, yeah. Yeah, which I actually think is a great conceit for something. Um, I do think it's it's really clever. As I say, I don't know if it was due to all the interference and everything, but like it doesn't lend or whether mm. it just was never going to. But I really like that conceit like of showing you t- effectively two movies. And when you're seeing the stuff that's that's, you know, shot in video, you're seeing the truth. And then you are seeing what, you know, as a, a movie in widescreen that looks quite nice for the time and everything. Uh, yeah, you're you're being lied to. <laughs> well, I, and then it even goes like down another like there's there's four layers of rabbit holes when it comes to this movie because you have the <laughs> the, the intro text uh, to kind of recreate what you had in the original Blair Witch being like hey what you're gonna see here is a recreation yeah. of of things that happened here and you're like because when you think of that continually when you're watching the movie and you're like well, are they so they're saying that the acts that we see here are being recreated and are based off of something that happened with people who went and followed it, but it's not really uh, something that feels completely followed through. Like that, that's something that was interesting yeah. being like, d- is that something that came from Joe Berl- Berlinger or is that something that the studio wanted to be in there? I could tell you, well, it, this goes to, at the moment I'm working on a film footage film that I shot in December and I sent it out to a couple of friends in the industry for notes and said, like, you know, have you any notes for this? And and every single one of them, I, I had not put up a, a kind of a, a title card like that where it said, you know, like this footage was found by people. I just, I just started the, the movie as is. Yeah. And every one of them came back and said, oh, no, you need the card thing. You need the card thing that tells people this is, you know, that they went missing. And I'm like, but do you not think that's done to death? Like, at this point, people <laughs> kind of know what found footage is. Like, we can just go into it and people just, you know, see it as a movie and they're like no no no, you gotta have the card so i have a feeling again that maybe there was very much a well that worked in the first movie so you should have that here and i bet poor joe berlinger is like but this is a narrative movie how am i supposed to work that in (laughs) um, and one very quick thing to talk about because i say i want to kind of give joe berlinger some some kind of kudos here i Mm. he's a fascinating dude because he came from a documentary background doing Paradise Lost, and then after this he'd go on to do uh, Some Kind of Monster and a bunch of other stuff. But I love that they hired a documentary filmmaker to make the sequel to a film that was meant to be a documentary and then (laughs) had him make it a narrative movie. It's just fucking crazy, to be honest. And it's it's so (laughs) weird now, um, because, I mean, we'll get on to the third question in in just a moment, but since we've got this sidebar to, to have is that here we are in, in 2020 discussing this movie, you know, for its 20th anniversary. Uh, it This film was Joe Berlinger's uh, debut theatrical film, and his second follow-up theatrical film was just done last year with uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Did you get a chance to see that one? I actually haven't, and I hear it's it's been quite kind of um, div- divisive as well. I've seen from people because yes. some people feel that it's kind of glamorizing um, the idea of te- because 
it doesn't kind of showcase him as a murderer. It just kind of showcases him as somebody in, you know, as as this this partner to this this character. Like, mm-hmm. again, I think Joel Berlinger does something really interesting is that he doesn't look at things the way a conventional narrative filmmaker does. Yeah. I think he brings a kind of documentarian view into a narrative format, which is why I think there is so many interesting things in something like Blair Witch 2, or Book, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. God damn it. I know. It's we so have to keep doing it. We have to keep doing it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I think he, he definitely has a different uh, outlook to your traditional narrative filmmaker. One yeah. that maybe doesn't, as we say, always land, but I've actually, after watching this again for this, I'm like, shit, i got to check out Extremely Wicked and Shocking Evil and Vile. Yeah, de- definitely watch that, but then at the same time, watch the uh, Conversations with the Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, because what happens there is, is it, it kind of works perfectly as like a weird quadruple feature with the Blair Witch and then Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, because the Conversations with the Killer, Ted Bundy tapes, like the tapes aren't really that interesting, which is kind of, you know, the whole reason why he was doing it. But you could tell that he has this, this passion and fascination with Ted Bundy that comes across almost better in the documentary than it does when he's uh, making the actual movie, because it kind of feels like the the feelings that he has towards the subject is is getting in, in the way of the narrative flow. Like uh, the movie is has really good performances, but narratively it's not really sure like exactly 100% what it's wanting to say whereas the documentary is definitely giving a voice to Ted Bundy himself and so it comes across as this weird comparison but then like we said with Blair Witch being the the pseudo documentary and then him coming in to make it yeah. so it's it's it, this the two times he's worked on theatrical films have been when he's basically working off things that either were a pseudo documentary or an actual documentary and then here he is trying to do a theatrical version and it just feels like my heart goes out to him in a way because it's like oh this is just a very bad situation for you yeah and i mean even when i was re-watching uh, book of shadows earlier for getting in preparation for this i started to realize i was like something that i never probably when i saw this as i say in 2000 i wouldn't have known anything of, of joe berlinger's work or anything like that but now in the intervening intervening 20 years I was watching it today going, oh, my God, there's elements of Paradise Lost in this. Like, there's definitely, like, he is taking some elements of this horrible, real thing that he obviously was ingrained in for for years, shooting those three documentaries. Um, And he's kind of taking elements about violence and media and perception and stuff into this movie, which, again, as I say, this is why I say it's a movie of ideas. It's 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 definitely trying to do a lot. Whether it manages to successfully do a lot or not is definitely up for debate. But you definitely can't knock it for trying to do a lot anyway. <laughs> which I I think is an easy way of answering the third question, which is to you, what is it about this movie that's helped it stay relevant in one way or another for the past two decades? Well, it's it's a weird one actually because, I mean. This is a movie that should have just died, right? Like, I'm not even mm-hmm. I'm not even joking. Like, after... Because it got so flayed when it came out. Like, there was a nearly... As I say, I was actually a fan. And I was I felt, like, so in the minority. Um, I'd, I'd like... Show, when my mates start... We started living together in the mid-2000s, I'd, like, be, throw it on in the projector and everyone would just be like, what the hell is this garbage? Like, why do you make this watch? <laughs> um, I thought, oh, God, this film is just going to go off into a pasture and die. Like, but 
around 2015, 2016, it started to get reevaluated, which I love that mm-hmm. we now live in an era where certain movies, well, I mean, it happens in every era, but yeah, it's great when you see a movie get reevaluated under a different lens. I think when it came out, people were expecting it to be the follow-up to The Blair Witch, so they were super disappointed. Whereas I think when there's been a bit of distance and time from it, they're able to look at it and see it more kind of for what it is, almost as a standalone film, which I almost feel like it would have been better as. Like, I've often said that, that I think that if it was just called Book of Shadows, although I still don't know why it would be called Book of Shadows because there's no Book of Shadows in it, but... (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if it had been called something else and it, it had kind of touched on a lot of these ideas a, a fictional story you know i think it may have done better i think a lot of people got so pissed at it at the time because it, they wanted it to be more blair witch and it wasn't um but i think that as you say give it 15 or 16 years and people are able younger people are able to come in people who've never seen the first film people who've you know never seen the second and haven't seen the first in years are able to come in and look at it and kind of go oh there's actually some interesting stuff in here um Whereas, absolutely no disrespect to it, I quite like the Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett one, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it feels a bit like a retread with some difference. It doesn't... I actually think Blair we, or Book of Shadows is a more interesting movie overall. Like It's one that definitely sets out to be a lot more different from its predecessor than Blair Witch does. Well, I mean, the, the interesting thing about... Um... You know, Blair Witch, which, God, this series, you've got the Blair Witch Project, you've got Book of Shadows, (laughs) Blair Witch 2, then you've got Blair Witch. So it's, (laughs) I mean, that's a different discussion. But but the fact that they were so kind of unsure about that, that they had the fake title of it, like they had the whole Comic-Con reveal of the fact that, yeah, they had Woods, you know, that that was the movie they were making. And it wasn't until they had a premiere that people were like, Oh, this is a secret Blair Witch movie, and it's just like, like they they built up the suspense that way, just kind of because um, people were so unsure after Book of Shadows, and because of of the long shadow that uh, the Blair Witch Project cast and still cast today. Because for oh, big time. Last year um, at uh, Terror Tuesday here in Kansas City at the Alamo, we had a showing of it for the twentieth uh, anniversary, and people were still going crazy over some of the scenes and screaming. Like I think 75% of the audience hadn't seen the movie before. Oh, and wow. They, and they were still jumping and, and shrieking and, and see the people afterwards were like found footage movies don't normally get me, but there was something about that movie. So it still casts this long shadow today. And I think sequel wise, the only one that's uh, really, caught the, the the like the mass attention of people wasn't even a movie but was the video game that came out <laughs> yeah it's true i mean as they say i think that um i, I think that and like another bit of an issue with the the whole idea of sequelizing the blair witch like is uh it's we, we kind of said it there but it's it's lightning in a bottle like that original yeah. movie you cannot do anything to to kind of and as i say that's maybe the reason that i enjoy book of shadows a slight bit more than the the blair witch film is that because book of shadows as i say could exist as something other than a blair witch movie yeah like if you took that off of it it's still a kind of fun weird meta interesting crazy movie Whereas Blair Witch is is beholden to that franchise, and I don't think it does enough to kind of expand that universe. Or it, it kind of, as I say, it was kind of one of those films that I remember being like, 
is this a sequel or is this a reboot or is this a remake or what? Like, where does it, yeah. li- it wasn't very clear in its marketing even. Like, uh, as we, as you just said, I, I kind of laughed when you said uh, Blair Witch Project, uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 and Blair Witch. It's like the Book of Shadows. It's in reverse. Look, yep. Blair Witch, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. And then Blair, so you see, it's all in reverse. It's hey, all a big it's, gimmick. Hey, speaking of which, that that adds perfectly. So thank you for the segue so much <laughs> to the fourth question. To is there a signature scene or moment that stays with you in the film? So you're gonna laugh at this, right? Because th- there's a few, but like, I mean, th- the 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 scene that I enjoy the most, that I always get a laugh out of, and that I always kind of, I, I just, I find it so entertaining, so incredibly entertaining. <laughs> Is when the other tour guides show up. Oh God! And they have their they have their little tete-a-tete about like, hey, this isn't your jurisdiction. It's like, oh, we got a permit. It's like, show me your permit, and yeah. I just find we it. left it in the car. <laughs> I I don't know. I look. I've heard people say they thought it was played for laughs. I don't know if it was. I feel like it was trying to be very straight, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. I think it's hilarious. Um, it it but, has I mean, to that, be a joke. It has to be a joke because be. they're they're yelling, "Who are you? Oh, we're the Black w- or the the Blair Witch yeah, Walk. That, Who are you? We're the Blair Witch Hunt. <laughs> Blair Witch Hunt. <laughs> what? It's so good. It's. I just find like that scene. I mean, I know there's so many other more kind of maybe big elaborate scenes in this movie, but like for me, that's just such a funny. That captures, in my opinion, this this uh, that that feeling. That, what I imagine it was probably like in Burkittsville a year after the release of Blair Witch. Yeah. Uh, you probably did have fifty tour groups, and they were all like, "No, you're not allowed at this place at the same time as us." And uh, I, I just found that a really funny. Uh, funny little moment um there's a couple of other little ones that stick out uh one of my favorites is when kim uh kim director i believe her name is yeah she's uh when she's going into the store and there's two like three youths st- st- youths standing up outside the shop and they they're like so genre savvy like the first one's like yo morticia and then the second one's like hey hey elvira i got yeah. something you can suck the blood out of and you're like man is the next guy going to mention like vampire vampire or something? Quote. Like... <laughs> <laughs> one of one of my favorite unexplained moments is directly after that when she's in the, I guess it's a it's a local grocery store, you know, yeah, or, or convenience store, but uh, the lady who was grabbing all the yogurt earlier in the film is still <laughs> there with her cart yeah. hours later. And so is the guy, the the mechanic guy that's fixing the underneath the fridge. <laughs> He's so funny. He just looks at her. He says something. I can't even really understand what he says. Uh, but uh, I'm finished now. I'm finished now. Um, like they really. If I was the people of Burkittsville, I'd have been so pissed at the time that this movie came up <laughs> because it continued this stereotype of like people from Burkittsville are are backwards hicks or something like it it really didn't paint the town or the people in a very positive light hey um, hey man i i have lived um two-thirds <laughs> of my life in kansas so i know i know all too well when it comes to to movies being like oh what's a what, what's a backwards place that we can mention that everyone will get a <laughs> get a laugh out of oh yeah kansas <laughs> well so that's I, and like <laughs> that's the yeah uh, well look i'm from ireland and every time i hear a bad irish accent it's something i just, I just <laughs> single t- like that that ad with the indian just uh, you know one single tear runs down my face <laughs> anytime i hear a really cringy irish accent um but no uh 
I mean, I, I think that uh, I actually quite like the... I know a lot of people don't like the abrupt ending of the film, but mm-hmm. I like the like the third act of the film actually quite a lot. I, I like how it plays with that, as we say, the, the uh, video is... <laughs> I, I keep forgetting the actual yeah. term. Yeah, I, I like how it plays with that. Um, like, we're watching it and you're seeing one thing and then when they play it back to them, and the, I, it, it's a bit cheap, to be fair, again, as a narrative device. But it's again really interesting because you kind of go, "Oh, you motherfucker, you got me!" Like I, and I, I feel like a film that maybe borrowed a little bit of that down the line. And I won't get into too much for fear spoilers, but like, I well, feel like Switchblade I mean, remains. Well, well, I'm glad I'm glad that I spoke over uh, over you because okay. we'll, we'll 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 get to that in a second with with another uh, oh, question. But the part of the reason why I thought it was going to end up being a good segue is you were mentioning mentioning reverse. And oh, or, yes. yeah, or Estevez, I thought I thought that was going to be the part that you were going to latch onto because that's kind of a big element of of the movie. One of the interesting things that they play with with that whole video never lies uh, film does though. It, it is. It's it's a really. I think it's a clever device. I don't know if it's a device that stands the test of time massively well because I know it was very much tied to the VHS release. Yeah, and then. But I do remember on that DVD that I got, which is one of the first DVDs I ever got, on the special features, it did have uh, the book of Ezerv or whatever. And you could you could go back and watch key scenes of the movie in reverse and see them play out differently. Um, or, well, like, in context, make sense better. And, you know, but I do, I do think it's really clever. Again, though, I kind of feel like I'd love to see the Joe Berlinger cut and see, I, I feel like he maybe would have used that whole thing in a very yeah. different way. It feels like the studio again, saw that and went, Ooh, we can build a whole viral marketing campaign around this instead of kind of like, Oh yeah, this is a cool narrative device. It was just like, yeah, we can, we can now set up a little website like we did with the first film and drive people there to solve little clues. And I, that stuff I'm not as interested in, whereas I'd love to, I'd love to know kind of, what Bird, Joe Berlinger was really trying to do with that uh, kind of reverse thing. Although yeah. my least favorite thing about the, the reverse thing is that when, when they, he goes, maybe we should watch the videos in reverse. And so he starts reversing and nothing happens. And then he goes, maybe try your keystrokes backwards. I'm like, that's the <laughs> lamest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like it would have been so much better to just have it play in reverse. Like... Uh, the, the continually asking about if he, if he can enhance it. I just and he keeps going on about his editing. Like, it's it's awful, right? Just to get into it a little bit, uh, Tristan, one of the characters, it's awful, has a miscarriage, which is like yeah. a really big, traumatic thing. And watching it, I, I, with the subject matter of the film that I've read, I was like, Jesus, this is grim. And literally, they drive away from the hospital, and he says, "Oh, I've got some really cool video editing equipment at home. You guys want to come see?" And I'm like, "What the? What is happening? Like, who?" says that to somebody like in this situation it's like again it just feels like it's a film that's um that's definitely been chopped up and hacked and moved around like uh where certain events lose importance because they're just put there for one or two bits of payoff exactly and then the rest of yeah like i i mean as i say the i owl? see all the fault <laughs> when she's eating yeah eating the owl well yeah, um, I mean, just just anything with the owl because like at first you're like oh is the, is the owl a presence that's somehow connected to to the Blair Witch this owl that has really weird CGI <coughs> uh, CGI eyes 
And then the second time we see it, it's flying through the the glass and ends up on the floor. And then they they go upstairs to show um, who is it, Tristan? And yeah. she's she's given a look like she's done it, even though she's inside. And you're like, what, what's going on with the owl? Why did it just die? It's just I know I understand that it's been staring at people, but I don't know if it's evil or or what it's necessarily supposed to represent. Some of people's reactions to stuff in the film as well are hilarious to me. Like, I find them so funny. My personal favorite being when Kim Kim gets home from the grocery store thing, she says, oh, by the way, I dented your car. Uh, yes. Okay, sorry. And then the next morning, he looks out the window and the car is total. It's, it's like, total. It's like, it's like, it's like a fucking crane has smashed it down. And he's just like, hey, my car, what the hell? But like, you he, said you just dented it. And, yeah, and it's like, this is a stranger that he doesn't know who's destroyed his car, and he just keeps so cool about it. Um, well, that's that's just Jeffrey Donovan for you. The, the kind of, <laughs> kind of the, the, one of the weird and interesting things about this movie. So everybody who's, uh, everybody who's a, a cast member, uh, their first name in the film is the first name of their, their real life uh, yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but then the majority of the people who were in this film didn't really go on to have like big careers, kind of like the the original uh, Blair Witch Project, where you had three people who were in the film. Two of them have some stuff afterwards, but don't really have anything big. And one of them kind of goes on to have their career. And it's the same way with this one, where yeah. everyone's done some small things, but it's Jeffrey Donovan who's gone on to do the most and have the most work. And and you can kind of see that in the film. I mean, he's definitely cast against type when you see what he does in the future. And so, like, the way he's interacting with people is it feels like people are just kind of uh, being given random direction. And then he's like, oh, I think I know where I want to go with this. Like, I have to say that I do think that uh, for me anyway, and I, this is everybody will have their own opinion, but like, I do think he's for me, he's hands down the, the strongest performance in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, he reminds me a lot at times. I have a note made here about. Uh, sometimes he reminds me of John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the the best era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but then other times he kind of he reminds me of Matthew Lillard and Scream because there's a moment where he shouts something at uh, he shouts something at Tristan. Uh, and it's oh yeah he just goes she's a witch man and it's so like <laughs> Matthew Lillard it's a scream baby <laughs> uh, yeah so when, when he's got the the camera pointed at her towards the end yeah like I think he's doing really good work I think the girl the lady that plays Tristan I think she's the weakest early in the film yes. and then as the film goes on she gets much better like once she's given more to work with towards the end of the film she's actually quite good um I think she's got the most difficult role, basically, when you get into later in the movie. And there's the discussion of is she possessed or is she is she not possessed, even though we had the whole conversation with Erica earlier where she was saying that, you know, the um, I forget her name, uh, Ali or whatever, that the 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 original Blair Witch, you know, that she wasn't Ellie Kedward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That she wasn't a bad witch. She was a good witch. It was everyone just kind of wanting to stigmatize the whole idea of a witch that caused them to do this. And then her being, you know, an evil spirit at rest, basically, that that's what more so turned her evil. But you're not really sure, you know, is is she possessed by her or what's different about her? So she she has this uneasy task of having to carry this weight that's not fully explained. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think like I think in uh, kind of contrary to that, I think Erica has maybe one of the easier roles in the movie. Yes. Um, and I think she does it quite well. And I think Kim flip flops. I think she's really good at points and really bad at points. <laughs> and I think for me, for me, Stephen is the least likable of all the main characters. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, one of my, I quite love Sheriff Cravens, which is obviously a nod to Wes Craven. <laughs> yeah. Um, my fa- one of my other favorite parts of the movie, again being a kind of unintentional comedy beat, maybe, is when he's on the phone the to Jeff and he's, <laughs> he's like <laughs> over here. <laughs> and he's literally in the background of a live news broadcast, waving, taunting him down the phone. <laughs> oh. uh, I and like even the Craven storyline has no payoff. Like it's, it's uh, it's kind of built up as oh he's kind of haunting this. Guy. He's cha- you know he's coming after Jeff. Yeah. And then it, it kind of goes nowhere. But I I really feel and again I've heard people say that the Cravens character was meant to be very minimal and then was kind of shoehorned into reshoots okay, uh, as well. Okay, I can well. see that. Um, but I do like that the film plays with this idea as well, though, of hysteria. Like, the, the book that Stephen and Tristan are writing is called History or Hysteria. Mm-hmm. And I do like that, like, you think at one point, you're like, oh, this is it's clearly about possession. She's clearly possessed by the witch and blah, blah, blah. And then as it goes on, you're like, oh, is she, though? Or are they just gone fucking crazy? Like, you know, it... It does teeter along this little balance of like not being one hundred percent sure, like because we know that Jeff was in a mental hospital and yeah. stuff like that, and obviously and was getting really bad treatment because like I hope that's not how they treat people in mental hospitals <laughs> because uh, when you have a, a, a doctor smoking while he's injecting something up your nostril and you have a, a guy in an SS uniform standing there at one point I believe I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> tell what was going on there. Yeah, that's a weird hospital setup. Um, but yeah, I like that it does play with some of those ideas of of is this real, is it not? Um, and other little things that I like, I like that um, there's a nice little nod back to the first. Like there isn't many callbacks to the first film outside mm-hmm. of the big meta ones that are you know the basis of the movie. But one that I thought was kind of it might need even been one, but I I saw it was when they find Erica's body. She's in the cupboard and, and she's facing into the corner. Yeah. I, th- I thought I that might like, be like that. Yeah, that's what I got from it. I, I like that. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, one of the notes I made here, just I have to say it because it was. The, I think it was. Just, uh, yeah, it's right after I said Erica facing into the corner. Call back to the first film. I wrote, "Is it worth it? Let me work it." I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Oh no! <laughs> and that's how we bring things to a close. <laughs> oh no! Now, I just basically. Yeah, I had to get that reverse because they, they were talking about reversing so much. I was like, <laughs> just put it in my head. It just gets stuck there. It just gets stuck there. Yeah. No, you alluded to something earlier, and so this is the perfect time to jump into it um, because the fourth question we always ask is, is there a contemporary film that's reminiscent of uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2? And what elements does that new film possibly do better or what does the original potentially do better? Well, it's interesting because, yeah, there. I mean, I'm trying to think of kind of a meta movie like this that because there's a lot of meta movies about filmmaking. Yeah. Um, Not a lot of meta movies about movies like existing. Like, that's where I think this is definitely a very original film is that in this movie, the world in in the world of Book of Shadows, the film, the Blair Witch Project exists, which I think is what really sets it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, it's. 
I mean, in my head, I'm, I'm going to films that aren't really similar to like Scream 4 or something, which is trying to be super meta. And, you know, obviously yeah. Scream always was. Um, contempt- and that's not even contemporary. That's nearly 10 years old at this point. Um, well, but I mean, even contemporary from when this film was made in, in, in the 2000s. Oh, and, and like that, that's what's interesting, because while it does have that uh, meta work, like the only two that really come to mind, like predate it, like, you know, when you're talking about like... Um, Oh God, what's it called? Um, New Nightmare, you know, having that oh, element yeah, definitely. of, but, but it's definitely. different because you have the actors from that movie, you know, where the movie exists as that. Whereas this movie, like I said, has that like four layers of the rabbit hole where the fact that the Blair Witch Project was a movie and you had these people who went out, you know, wanting to, to find out about it, who videotaped in the forest. But what you're walking, watching is a recreation. Watching is a reenactment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the the footage that they're watching and then putting in reverse is actually a recreation of the actual <laughs> videos that those people did. <laughs> So this feels he, like the Rick and Morty thing of a simulation inside a simulation inside a simulation. It, it's basically at that level. And so that's why it's hard yeah. to think of something that, that works on that level that, that would be, you know, newish. I mean, maybe there is something that I don't, that I haven't seen that does kind of have that, that layers. That's what I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I can think of other films, obviously, from the time that are like, it's funny because the two films that would immediately spring to mind that I would consider similar, but outside of story content, just on an aesthetic level and kind of feel mm-hmm. would be Resident Evil. Because <laughs> Mar- Marilyn Manson, Slipknot, same kind of camera techniques, all that stuff. Uh. And Queen of the Dams. That would be the only <sighs> other one. That, like, I, I call them new metal horror films, I guess. Like, there is <laughs> new metal horror trilogy. <laughs> And and they were yeah they were all put out by like the same type of companies who who like months later like Dracula two thousand oh god yes exactly yeah see there was a lot it's funny because I feel like Saw could have so easily been one of those like it could have so easily fallen into the new metal movie trap mm-hmm. and I but I, I think because Saw I mean Lee and James had such total control over it by the way they handled like financing and everything that I think they were able to keep the reins on it and not get this kind of crazy studio involvement that these bigger films had. Um, <laughs> because there's a world where I can see a really bad kind of early 2000s new metal saw. <laughs> I, I, and I think you probably had like four or five that came out directly after it on VOD. Definitely. I mean, that was still that, that was still the, the period where it, it wasn't exactly like Full Moon. It wasn't as bad as The Asylum, but you still had, um, you know, smaller distribution companies who were like, hey, we we want to put a, together a, a small movie that is just similar enough to something like this, but <laughs> that people will spend a few dollars on and might not, you know, necessarily make that association that we're, we're ripping something off. Definitely. But I... I think again that one of the things that it, that maybe helps the found footage genre to thrive in the mid uh, kind of mid two thousands going into the late two thousands is that Blair Witch two did not was not perceived to do well mm-hmm. because I think because then I think a lot of people went oh like that big fifteen million dollar one didn't in their heads didn't do great but the one that was made by a bunch of people in the woods for like fifteen grand was like huge so i think a lot of people i think that maybe if the if blair witch 2 had been seen as a success there would have been maybe less people willing to experiment with the phone footage genre um 
but the, it, it kind of proved its point uh, by being a critical failure that like oh there's a lot to be gained from just going out with a camera into the woods and and shooting with your friends um as long as you make a good movie and you're good at it um but yeah, yeah like I, I i do definitely think that blair witch 2's critical failure maybe gave credence to the the value of phone footage films yeah because i mean it's it's not it's another seven years till you have uh paranormal activity come out and that's yeah. the next like, i mean you have a couple smaller films here and there you know that that are trying to push forward that um the found footage one, but you don't really have that big resurgence of both theatrically and then everything that litters VOD until paranormal activity, which of course is another situation where it was a, a small budgeted film that has a big box office return. Yeah. Cause I mean, I know Eduardo Sanchez, who was one of the, the co-directors of, of Blair, Witch, he did a, a film footage in like the mid two thousands, uh, called Ex- was it exists or all. Yeah. The, the, uh, the Bigfoot one? I think, yeah, it's like, a, I believe so. It's like set in a forest and, uh, oh no, yeah, no, Altered was, no, it was about aliens in a forest. Um, okay. But I can't, I don't, th- I can't remember if it was from footage or not. I, I think I'm thinking of Exists, which is the one, the the Bigfoot one. But yeah, yeah. like, I, I, I remember seeing in the mid 2000s that there was definitely, as we say, there wasn't like the, the deluge of, of found footage films that we'd get after Paranormal Activity, but it was a medium that we'll say before um, before Blair Witch, there had only been a handful of what we kind of consider found footage films. Um, yeah. And then after Blair Witch, it definitely felt like the, it picked up a little bit. And I think, again, that you wouldn't have seen stuff like even Paranormal Activity um, if, if kind of studios weren't you know, if, if the Blair Witch 2 had been massively successful and they went, uh, no, we're not going to do any more. So this made way more money than that first one. They, they, <laughs> I think studios were able to say, oh, no, there's much more value in these small, lower price point things that we can then make loads of money off. I think it's definitely what you said about, and I mean, it's the wrong term for it, but it's the best way to describe it, is kind of burning that bridge and, and saying, well, here's a sequel. It might not be might not be what people want but we can't tread the exact same ground that we did before because people might not you know be interested and say oh you're just trying to cash in and when they were originally setting out to make this movie it was artisan that wanted to uh to push this movie out and uh yeah. that the hex film group who did uh, the first Blair Witch Project said, no, we want more time and space in between. And that's what kind of forced Artisan to be like, well, we need to do something different just so we can still capitalize on that name. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of I I think that for me, one of the things about this movie that like kind of breaks my heart when I rewatch it is you, you touched on it earlier, which is the whole seeing the flash cuts of violence the whole way through, which is the biggest, uh, I would say, studio uh interruption mm-hmm. um like to me it telegraphs the twist so early it's it, it does such a disservice to the film like to like from what it, from everything i've heard joe berlinger wanted it to be just a very slow and casual film for like the first act and a half yeah. and really feel like nothing was happening and then it would just ramp up which you know like all good descent into madness films gonna do but I think that, of course, you had Artisan saying, no, 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 we got to be thrown like gore on screen every 10, 15 minutes. 
and it just it, I think it undermined a lot of the cool and interesting things that the film was trying to do but at yeah. the same time it's it's weird because as I say I, I do like the movie but I guess it's just one of those things where I like the movie but you you always kind of go what if and it, it's why people are it's why people cry out for this the Snyder cut or whatever it's like, <laughs> don't say that too loud like, don't say that too loud <laughs> but there are there are people that are like oh we, we, we need the Snyder cut and it's like I, I think people always want what they're never going to see. You know, when yeah. you hear that there's a version of a film that you're in, I, I feel that way about, um, we both know Joe Lynch, I adore him, you adore him, and I feel that way about <laughs> Knights of Badastam. I'm like, yeah. I want to see Joe's Knights of Badastam, you know? Um, and it's, we. I think we always crave what what could have been. It's well, like when, you, when you hear about it, when you hear about yeah. it, knowing that, knowing that a version of something um exist in an altered form even if you like the the original one you yeah. want to be able to see that and i think that's that's why even nowadays when you have a movie that's not necessarily uh successful or well respected or has a huge following even though technically anything nowadays has a, a big following however small the movie is that that by knowing that something exists people want it so when there's a chance to be like oh yeah we're going to put this out that you had so many people in the late aughts and even nowadays sometimes putting out it moving away from the unrated cut of a movie and calling it an uh, a director's cut and having it at times not necessarily be a director's cut and it's just oh we we put these scenes back in that were going to be deleted scenes and that it doesn't completely um it doesn't completely represent the director's uh, full vision that they weren't able to get because there's times that it could be like we shot these scenes we didn't get to use them but what I really wanted to do which this was a scene yeah. that was going to cost a million dollars but we don't have it but I'm still going to put this out and call it a director's cut even though it's not actually representative of the full thing that I wanted to do. I get you because I mean I I've, I haven't seen I haven't seen the extended version of Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead, but I've kind of heard that about that. That like it's not that it's not great, it's that like a lot of the stuff that's added into it are scenes that kind of should have been cut. Maybe like as in mm-hmm. people were kind of like it's actually if you watch the 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 version that we got here in Europe, I don't know like that like it's it's actually more streamlined. And the yeah. stuff they add in actually takes away from it because it, it, and again, I don't know if I, th- I know that tomorrow, if I had to put out a version of the parish and they said, Oh, we'll just put back in your deleted scenes. That wouldn't be the director's <laughs> cut because yeah. what I've whittled it down to the, the 91 minutes that the film is, that's my director's cut. I'm, I'm happy with what exists there. Um, by, by, the, by the way, you just sold a whole bunch of people who are going to rent it by <laughs> saying that it was 91 minutes long. That you know they were like, I don't, I don't. Oh, it's a 91 minute movie. Okay, yeah, let's give this a chance. Yeah. Let's go. we're not out to waste your time. I mean, that's another thing that I like about uh, Book of Shadows is that it's 86 minutes. It's a yes. tight movie. It, it it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's got some good music. It's got a one of my favorites is uh, Feel Good Hit of the Summer by Queens of the Stone Age, where they're all <laughs> having their big party. Um, Again, it's just it's just a time bubble of a certain period that I really enjoyed. Like my my late teens, early twenties were great times. So this just feels like a lot of that in a movie, except without the orgies and owls. And I I mean, I, 
that would be great, but sadly not. No. Um... Every, everybody needs more owls at their orgy, I guess. <laughs> okay, so so ramping up to the final uh, question, which I, I know basically what you're going to say because you, you've reiterated it several different times, but I, I, I think it gives people pause for just a little second when I ask it, and that's having rewatched this film again recently, do you still think it's worthy of the reverence that you've held for it since the beginning or do you think that there's a little bit of the luster or the sheen that's kind of being rubbed off of it hmm <laughs> it's a hard one because i mean i personally do enjoy it as even when i rewatched it earlier i was like whoa this is not i think i remembered it worse than it was even i think i was like oh it's just a, a kind of dumb movie. But I think when I watched it, I was like, oh, no, it's actually got some clever ideas. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't ex- execute them all perfectly. But uh, at the same time, as I say, it is a v- very much a time capsule. Like, um, like I, I just, I wonder how many people would kind of look at it and not find it super cringy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, as I say, there seems to be this reevaluation of it happening, um, which, as I say, it's nice when you see that happen in a film. For me, I guess, no, I, do, I, I, I still enjoyed it every much as, it, as I did when I saw it in the theatres uh, in 2000 when I was 16. Um, if anything, I think, yeah, that separation, as I said, away from the original Blair Witch and has maybe, maybe enjoyed it a little more. Um it's definitely not a classic. I'm not here to tell you it's like a stone cold <laughs> classic. And, although I am shocked that there's no Blu-ray, that there's no big Blu-ray release of this movie, uh, kind of blows my mind. I, either that or I've missed it, but I've been looking, and I, I don't believe there is. Um, I think that's just nobody is, nobody putting out these things is going to be like, yeah, we should put out Blair Witch too, even though it would be a <laughs> six, like it's proven time and time again that this thing makes money. Um, but yeah, it's it. Well, it's. I mean, it's got. Okay, so I I made the joke uh, with you earlier, and I made the joke on social media about the <laughs> fact that I I now because of Patty and because he chose this movie that I now own um, Book of Shadows Blair Witch Two on digital, and that's because you can't really find it anywhere else. Like you mentioned, it's not on Blu-ray, which might yeah. be an artisan thing would be my uh, my guess, because I know it was a weird that there's some movies that are out on Blu-ray and some that aren't when it comes to artisan. But um, when I was looking up like how to watch it and stream it, the one of the first things that came up was, was saying Shudder. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll watch it on Shudder. So I signed into Shudder and tried to add it on my phone and it said that it was added to the list and then I went to go watch it on the TV. Nope, didn't show it. And that's because they technically don't have it in there. Then saw that it was on, like, it said Crackle. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. Sure, Crackle's free. Let's go for it. Yeah. Didn't work on there. Said it was on Tubi. Wasn't actually on there. So oh I'm, I, I was sitting at, you know, um, by my TV, you know, had the Xbox on. I'm like, fine, I'm just going to go into, you know, Microsoft Movie and, and TVs, I, you know, to their store. I'm just going to choose it on there. And so I saw it and went to click it. It showed the price for the rental, clicked it, and it starts uh, cycling for a second before you get to the actual purchase screen and said something went wrong. And I'm like, what oh is God. what is going on here? So then I went and I tried to get on to, to Google and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it on the Google Play Store. And it wouldn't let me purchase it there. So I had to go on to Vudu, which right now Vudu actually has it on sale. The thing is, 
if the rental price on Vudu is five ninety nine, which is oh two dollars two dollars more than anywhere else. But for the exact same price as the rental is the ability to buy it for five ninety nine. <laughs> so I'm like, if I'm just gonna do it once, I might as well spend the money just to have it. Because who knows? In another ten years from now, magically somebody's like, hey, I want to talk about this movie. Then I'll already have it to be able to watch it. But like, so it. I tried a whole bunch of different ways to be able to get it. Now, the only way past that is Stars to watch it. But Stars, which new, normally has like a one-week free trial, right now, since everybody around the world is trapped in their homes, they're doing a five dollars for for three months. And I'm like, I'm not going to use Stars. Besides that, I'll just pay the other dollar. So if you have a Star subscription, you can watch the movie. Otherwise, you have to buy it on Vudu. Yeah, I I picked it up uh, on Play Store, like Google Play Store. And oh, I think you lucky I paid... bastard! Yeah, yeah, but no, no, no. But I think I paid seven ninety nine for it. So, oh, well, um... we'll we'll just say that's that's Ireland, and that's why they did that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I actually I don't, as I said, as I joke half jokingly and half not say it on social media or no regrets i have no regrets um my hey, wife a whole bunch of a whole bunch of people came to your defense when you know when you mentioned that, it so of everything that's happened with this that was the most shocking thing because i thought i really felt like gen generally alone in this um and then when when yeah when you put it out there was a bunch of people like oh this is a great movie i love this movie i was like oh cool there's more of us <laughs> Well, and the, and the the interesting thing is those people who you know um, who stood up for the movie and everything are are well respected uh, critics when it comes to genre film. So it it wasn't just like it you know just casual yeah. people who who were just like oh this is fun. No, no, they're they're respected individuals who know what they're talking about and and have several podcasts and write for places like you know um, uh, bloody disgusting. Oh, that's and amazing! Yeah. So so it's. It, it's known accredited uh, press individuals who came out and are like, yeah, I'm for this movie. So there's it's it's definitely a there's dozens of us type situation. There are dozens of us. Uh, as I say, uh, something that I kind of when when me and my my wife started dating back in like 2005, 2006, one of the first things that I remember was that she, when she came into my room and we were ch- talking, she was looking through my DVDs. She was like, oh, cool, but Book of Shadows. And I was like, <laughs> and, I was like, and you're like it comes full circle. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, we're going to be married. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because and she was like, I don't, I've never I think at the time <laughs> this is so dumb. But I think she was like, I've never seen the movie, but I have the soundtrack. It's really oh, good. <laughs> um, but then we watched it and she was like, yeah, that was fun. So, um, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I, I definitely think that as you, I think you, you actually said something earlier that I find really interesting, which is like, yeah, taking it outside of even Blair Witch and Blair Witch 2, like Joe Berlinger is just a really interesting dude in the sense that if you take his documentary work and mm-hmm. then this, and then his subsequent documentary work, and then his next narrative film, which is also tied to a documentary work, like he just has a very, interesting career across the board like he's i don't think there's many other filmmakers like him out there uh, no and, he, and he's still working 20 years later so that's a testament yeah. to his craft so definitely and after this i'm definitely going to check out uh I, I, as i said i don't know why i've put it off so long I, often I'll, I'll wait a while when a film or like if a film comes out and it, it does quite well or a lot of people are raving about it i kind of 
I kind of want to let the hype die down for a bit before I check it out, just because I don't want to be influenced by kind of media around me telling me if it's good or not. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think that's what happened with the with the, the Ted Bundy movie is that I was seeing some really divided reactions on on Twitter, and I was like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to distance myself from this for a bit, and I'll come back and check it out when all this. I watched the the one you mentioned, the the documentary, uh, okay. the Confessions of a Killer, you know. Uh, the tapes, the confession tapes, or no? What was it? Uh, the tapes. The I just, I just had it. I just. Had yeah, it. T- conversations with a killer. That was it. Yes, yeah. the the Ted Bundy um, tapes. I watched that, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, it's mm-hmm. weird because my wife is big into true crime stuff, so we watched that, and more recently we watched. There's a new one that just came out on Amazon, another Ted Bundy doc. Like. Oh yeah, from the other side. Yeah, people really can't seem to get enough of it. Like, um, but I, I suppose it's that fascination that's there in the zeitgeist with, you know, these these murders and stuff, which is it's yeah. it's kind of understandable. If we, we we want to kind of study and analyze things that we just can't rationalize or understand. Um, but yeah, like uh, I kind of like the one that's on Amazon now a little bit more because it felt a little bit less kind of going back to what I was saying. It, it didn't feel it like it was kind of glamorizing. Yeah. The character the the killer it felt like it was much more invested in the people that he betrayed and hurt not just the victims but the people in his own life that he betrayed yeah. and hurt by and it was i think that was an interest but in saying that i don't know i i liked i like what joe berninger does and i i'd be interested to see him keep working and i'd love to see him do something like but i'd love hopefully the reason it's not on blu-ray is because there's a director's cut being negotiated in the back room <laughs> that'd be great we, we we can we can only hope and then we'll record another one of those but <laughs> before we go make sure to let everyone out there where where the where can they find you on social media you can get me on twitter where i'm always running my mouth and talking shit <laughs> at patty bass so that's at p-a-d-d-y-b-a ss like the guitar or fish um and then you can find me on oh you can find my company celtic badger media on facebook uh, just type celtic badger media into the search you should we should come up there's only one of us um and then i'm on i'm on pretty much all the socials under the same handle which is at petty base so instagram and everywhere and i love talking about movies i love do uh, me and uh genius mcgee today we're just <laughs> bouncing <laughs> we were just bouncing back and forth uh best of video game lists uh to each other best of horror video game lists uh, i love talking about all this stuff so if people do want to reach out and have a big debate about Blair Witch 2 i'm down like hey this is th- this is the time for it and then to give you one last plug of course uh the parish comes out on vod on april 7th correct it does, and I'm not sure the pricing just yet, but hopefully it'll be super reasonable. And especially as you say, during this time when we're all, I mean, kind of looking for content, uh, just uh, for small independent filmmakers like myself who have no studio support or backing, it just means a lot if somebody even just you know rents the film and checks it out. Uh, exactly. That's all I could ever ask for. Um, and then like that, as I say, I like when people talk. So if you check the movie out and you liked it, didn't like it, whatever you felt feel free to hit me up on the socials and talk about it because it's all about a discussion and they're they're great discussions that you'll definitely have with patty and hey if people are willing to pay twenty dollars to see bloodshot (laughs) on vod then i think they'll have a much better time with the paris so um you can easily find me on uh twitter 
at Yo Adrian Taurus, and then the show is at Horrorversary because it's really simple and it happened to be available and that's part of the reason why the show is the name that it is but patty i want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show oh man it was my pleasure and i want to thank you too for for giving me the opportunity it's just as i say i love i love all this stuff i love talking movies living movies just everything about movies so uh anytime i get to do so with a lovely individual like yourself is a great experience for me well, I will definitely keep that in mind, and we'll have to find an excuse to to have you on next year. Absolutely, I, I'll already start looking for my next kind of shit movie that I, that <laughs> hopefully has has gotten better of or has gotten reevaluated over time. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. And until next time, everybody, especially in the state of the world as it is, be nice to each other. Hey.